0: This is Physician to Physician Plant-Based Nutrition. I'm Tracy Cushing, an emergency medicine physician. I'm also a mom, a wife, four-time
1: Ironman, and I've been plant-based for 11 years. And I'm Eden English. I'm an internal medicine physician, a hiker, a ski boarder, a mom, and I've been vegan for the last five years. We're passionate about helping other doctors learn the science behind plant-based eating so they can help their patients develop sustainable, healthy eating habits. Each episode, we're breaking down the science behind plant-based eating and answering the questions we know most doctors have and most patients ask. Hi, Eden. Hey, Tracy. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing fantastic today. So tell me what you ate last night.
0: So last night, I ate all of the things we got from our community farm share on Wednesday that we threw in a crock pot with some vegetable broth and some curry powder and salt and pepper and simmered for four hours. And now we have like five or six meals worth of delicious veggies. We added some beans for a little bit of protein um, and then served it over leftover rice. And that's what I had for dinner last night. How about you?
1: Um, I was at an all day conference yesterday. So I got home a little late. But luckily, we had made some pesto that we kept in the fridge. And we've been really digging pesto grilled cheese lately. So we just throw a little pesto in and whatever kind of cheese slices you want. BioLife is one of our favorites lately. Um, and tomatoes and grill that up. It just takes a few minutes and you've got a delicious yet somewhat exciting grilled cheese sandwich.
0: Tomatoes and grilled cheese is one of my favorites this time of year. We have so many beautiful heirloom tomatoes in our garden and We don't know what to do with them. So we like the Violife slices as well. Um, And Follow Your Heart is another one that we like. And that's a great segue into our, our dairy episode because we're talking about cheese. And I will, in full disclosure, say that the one thing as a vegan that I do truly miss is fresh mozzarella. Really fresh, like, balls of mozzarella that you can just string apart. I have not yet found a vegan substitute for that. But short of that, and I'm willing to not eat it, um, there's almost no other cheese substitute that we haven't found. We make a almond ricotta that's delicious. um, And there are tons of other commercial options out there. So
1: we're here to talk about dairy. Right. And I couldn't agree more. I mean, yes, fresh mozzarella is tough. I think there's some brands that are trying there, but they've got. Parm, they've got blue cheese, they've got feta cheese, they've got some nice gouda stuff too, so they've got flavors of cheese. They've got stuff for you. Um they've got stuff that you can eat on crackers if you want to, and they do have stuff that melts. So they really have all the brands or the different types of cheese that you think you're going to miss. Um cuz that's you know what we hear all the time and what I said too. I was a vegetarian for years before I went vegan and a big part was I love cheese. I could never give up cheese. Um, And that was my case in addiction talking, but um, it is easier than you think on the other side. Um, And I think we've said this before, but if you are thinking of giving up cheese, it might be easier to give it up completely for a month or so and then sub in the vegan alternatives because they will taste better to you. If you do a one day switch, they're going to taste a little different because they aren't made with cow's milk, which we'll go into in some detail here. But They are made differently, and so they are not exact replicas of the cheese you're used to eating. So if you give it a little bit of time between the switch, you might find them more palatable. Um, But I'm only six years into my vegan journey, and I don't remember what regular cheese tastes like. To me, cheese is plant-based cheese. Same
0: here. Cheese was the last thing to go for me as I was vegetarian for decades, and then I read the book Skinny Bitch which came out, I think, in the late 90s or early 2000s. And the chapter in that book on dairy and the life of a dairy cow. And when you are a woman of childbearing age who is close to breastfeeding your own human child and you hear what the life of a dairy cow is like, it really hit home for me in a way that made me absolutely never touch another dairy product again. I read that chapter And that was it for me. And I was 100% vegan from that point forward in my diet. Um, And so if any of you want a little jolt um, of reading, I highly suggest picking up uh, the book Skinny Bitch. It's out there
1: um, and widely available. (laughs) Right. And I mean, just to what Tracy's saying, not to summarize the chapter, because it's been a while since I read it, but essentially the cows are impregnated every year because we don't produce milk unless we've recently been pregnant. Um, and the more recent, the more milk. So they do get reimpregnated every year. The babies are taken away within the first 24 hours because we don't want to let that cow bond with its baby. That would be even cooler than the way we do it now. So they take the baby away within 24 hours, keep milking it mechanically, despite the common utter infections that they have, which is why our milk can have a certain number of white blood cells. You don't want to waste that milk just because the cow's infected. And then they get reimpregnated year after year until their fourth or fifth year when they stop producing milk and are sent to the feedlots to become cheap food. Um, So that's what dairy cows get to do so that you can enjoy your cow's milk. And as you're enjoying that cow's milk, it's,
0: you know, maybe a little graphic, but I feel it's important to point out that effectively we are breastfeeding from other species by consuming non-human milk right like and no other species do this you don't see gorillas like you know suckling off of zebras in the wild like no other mammals do this and that, that is an interesting f- safari that <laughs> <with conditioning>. <laughs> right <laughs> exactly and and when you think about it that way and that was one of the points in the book it's like why are 68 percent of humans lactose intolerant because we're not baby cows we're baby and adult humans and we're not designed to be breastfeeding from cows and so it just there's a reason why most of us can't tolerate lactose and the answer shouldn't be to take lactate and eat pizza the answer should be to change your diet um And as far as the environment is concerned, dairy farming is just as bad as cattle farming for the environment. Cows are the worst. Um, And so the the carbon footprint of milk consumption and dairy consumption is enormous. Um, So, you know, ethically and environmentally, it's pretty clear dairy is scary. Um, But what about your health?
1: And there, you know, the data is a little mixed. We'll go, we're going to spend the rest of today talking about health and why generally the data is mixed. Um, Next season, we'll focus on disease specific. And for some diseases, there is more evidence that dairy might be a bad idea. Um, But a lot of it just shows that it doesn't help or hurt. It's pretty neutral on your health. So why would you eat it? Um, With what uh, Tracy just said about how bad it is for the environment. And, you know, if you're worried about animals at all, then... This is not a good industry, but what we want to talk about today specifically is cardiac health and osteoporosis. So let's run through a little bit of literature on those two to show why, despite what you might have heard, don't need dairy to protect your heart or certainly not to lower your blood pressure. And it definitely does not lower your lipids. Um, and you don't need it for your bones either.
0: Yeah. And so there, you know, the data again, pretty limited in its, um, sort of robustness. There was a randomized prospective study on dairy intake that we found, um, which is the Schmidt study. And, uh, they were looking at, at fasting lipids and cholesterol and, uh, basically found no relationship between a full fat dairy diet, um, or a lower fat dairy diet. On the other hand, they didn't compare it to a zero fat dairy diet, um, So they couldn't show an actual difference there. Um, But they did show that it also wasn't helpful. So again, no need to include those things in your diet. Certainly, um, if you're thinking about your cholesterol or your blood pressure or your cardiovascular disease risk factors.
1: And there was another um, large meta-analysis, well, there was a large meta-analysis, too, that we looked at. It was Alexander et al., Dairy Consumption and CBD, a systemic review and meta-analysis in the British Journal of Nutrition in 2016. In the British Journal, again, there was no comparison with dairy-free diets, but essentially they found no association between total dairy intake and total risk of CHD when they did measure So no benefit to dairy. They couldn't prove a harm to dairy. They weren't looking for it. Um, But it was a big study comparing a lot of or a meta-analysis of a lot of other studies that really showed there's no benefit to dairy here. And then the Lou et
0: al. study um, from the European Journal of Nutrition was an association of dairy intake with all cause cancer and cardiovascular disease mortality um, in a 25 year population based cohort. So again, not super well controlled based on personal reportings. um, And they didn't have a completely dairy free, the lowest that they had was an almost never dairy diet, which was less than one to two times per month, but there was never a specific completely dairy free diet. And uh, it was not associated with mortality, basically, um, though there was a slight association between cheese intake and a slightly lower all cause mortality risk in women, um, which they speculated might be uh, because of fermenting um, in cheese and so boost from things like vitamin K. And if you eat uh, kimchi and other uh, pickled things, then you, or other fermented
1: things, I should say, then you probably are getting the same benefit. (laughs) Right. You could have some tempeh or kombucha. Um, There's lots of things that are fermented that aren't dairy. Um, So I think that we could do more research here. It would be great if we could get at the specifics. Um, But Essentially, there's not much difference here and they're not looking at, they're not able to get at, is it the specific nutrient? Is it really the cheese? Do you need to eat a slice of cheese to get that benefit? Or could you have had some kimchi or kombucha? And that data is just not available right now. It's very difficult when you're looking at diet to isolate the nutrients and think of it that way. It's really about the whole diets and there's not a ton of data out there and not a lot of robust research on the stuff we're trying to get at. What there is tends to say that there's not a benefit to dairy.
0: That's exactly right, Eden. I certainly couldn't find any studies that showed that dairy was beneficial, at least for cardiovascular disease, cancer, or all-cause mortality, um, minus that subpopulation in the Japanese study. And it wasn't even a particularly big effect. And again, it was only cheese, not all dairy. So I, I think the data, even though it's pretty meh, is definitely not showing any positive association for it. And so if you care about the ethics and the environment, what is it about dairy that you could get from other plant-based sources that are important? And the big... Question: I think for a lot of people is bone health and osteoporosis, and that's how the dairy industry has made bazillions of dollars over the years. Is telling people they need to drink milk for healthy bones, and I think we all remember those commercials in the '80s with the mustaches and the got milk and all this stuff. And that is a hundred percent dairy industry driven. Um, there is no data to suggest that you can't eat an appropriate amount of calcium and vitamin D on a plant-based diet and that you need in any way to drink milk in any way if you want to. Almond milk and soy milk have equal or even
1: increased amounts of calcium over dairy milk. Absolutely. And good point. And it's worth mentioning in this discussion that those recommendations come from the milk industry, including the school recommendations, which came from the National Dairy Council. They pr- provided the nutrition information to schools, including the recommendation that kids consume multiple servings a day, despite the fact that we don't have evidence that that has a benefit to them. It is a good source of calories. So for those that don't have calories, it's going to help. It's got a lot of calories, it's got a lot of fat, it's got a lot of things in it. There are other ways to get that nutrient, um, to get calories, to get everything else that we need. There are other ways, um, but because the dairy industry has huge funding, um, they're a huge lobbying industry, they get to do a lot of things. Um, They're actually, there's a requirement that the dairy industry pool their money to do ads like the Got Milk campaign. That's all of the dairy industries combined, pooling their money to advertise things like Milk, And it's a government requirement that we advertise those things, despite no evidence that this is actually helpful. So our information is somewhat skewed to the general public by letting the, the, the industries speak instead of the scientists.
0: I think that's a great point. I think for way too long, our food policy in this country has been driven by agricultural interests, not nutritional interests or environmental interests. And even today, right in the climate bill, there's nothing about emissions from the food sector. Like we're, we're talking about solar panel and wind and cars and like, what are we talking about the emissions from our food sector, which is our second biggest emitter? We're not. There are groups Lobbying right now to get milk requirements removed from school lunches. And we'll have some links in the show notes to petitions that you can sign if you support that decision. And another place you can look for information specifically about dairy and debunking some of the myths around dairy consumption is Switch for good foundation, the number four good, and we'll put a link in the show notes to that. And they are uh, a great organization designed towards helping debunk a lot of the myths
1: that we have been taught around the need to consume dairy products. Wonderful. I love that organization, Tracy. And we did want to just mention a couple of studies, or one study, and then what the Osteoporosis Foundation itself says. Um, but there's uh, Mattia Martin et al. Effects of milk and dairy products on the prevention of osteoporosis and osteoporotic fractures in Europeans and non Hispanic whites from North America. This was a systematic review and meta analysis in advanced nutrition in 2019. And now I do want to point out that this study was done in Europeans and non Hispanic whites. So they excluded most of the people that are much more likely to be lactose intolerant. Um, I'm not sure that was their intention, but they did carve out all of those people from the study. Uh, But their conclusion in the study population was that the highest consumption of dairy products did not show a clear association with the total osteoporotic fracture or hip fracture risks. And they mentioned that a diminished risk of vertebral fracture could be described. The data wasn't very robust there, so you could describe it, but it wasn't easy to outright say it. Um, The results regarding change in BMD were heterogeneous and did not allow for definite conclusion, but they did not demonstrate a benefit for high dairy consumption. So... Having a ton of dairy does not protect your bones was my conclusion from this study. And though they did exclude populations more likely to be lactose intolerant,
0: they did include populations more likely to be osteoporotic. Um, So those populations typically are at higher risk of osteoporosis. And even in those folks, high dairy consumption didn't Demonstrate a benefit. And so I think that's um, important as well. While it definitely excluded people who are lactose intolerant, the population actually focused on those that are actually at higher risk of osteoporosis, which um, you would hope would show a benefit if any population did. And if they didn't, then there's probably even less of a reason
1: for the rest of the world to be consuming dairy products. (laughs) I mean, I think it says something that the populations that tend to be more lactose intolerant are also less likely to get osteoporotic fractures, which in and of itself implies that I know correlation isn't causation, but um, it points to a source for more potential research on why we don't need dairy for healthy bones. That's
0: a great point, Eden, right? It's like, it's, that's a great point. We should, if anyone, if any milk producers want to Non-dairy milk producers would like to do a study um, about that. We could. Uh, we could definitely talk to them. <laughs> And then finally, uh, the National Osteoporosis Foundation's position statement on peak bone mass development and lifestyle factors um, was a systematic review, and they basically only gave their strongest supporting evidence for getting enough calcium. And it didn't specify ways to get that calcium, and so it doesn't really matter how you get it. Um, for dairy, they had three two-year randomized controlled trials um, showing increased gains in some bone sites with dairy food consumption. um, But none actually looked at the total calcium intake, they were just looking at a positive correlation. Um, And so they looked at like there were some studies on kids and looking at bone growth, um, which is why they only gave dairy consumption a category B, because it wasn't clearly the dairy, Um, it could have also been the, the calcium intake. So you definitely need calcium, you just don't need to get it from dairy, is what most of the the literature seems to suggest. You need weight-bearing exercises, you need to, you know, exercise your bones, and you need to eat calcium and vitamin D. And we did a whole episode on where you can get those things, and I think I told you all I have a chart on my fridge of calcium... Um, High calcium vegan foods that I try to eat several servings of a day. I do have osteoporosis. Um, and so I'll keep you all posted on how that's going when I get my next DEXA scan coming up here pretty
1: soon. Good. I hope your next scan comes out okay. But the, the messaging is pretty clear that you need calcium. You should get enough calcium. You should eat a variety of foods that contain calcium. And if you're pretty sure you're coming up short, it might be the right answer to take a calcium supplement just to get there. But you do not need dairy to get there. That doesn't help. Drinking milk five glasses a day doesn't protect you from osteoporosis. So if, as Tracy mentioned a couple of times, the ethics of it or the environmental impact of it is concerning to you, don't worry that you need to drink milk for any health reason. There's just no, no benefit that cannot be gained by eating some plants that contain the nutrient you're looking for. Because as she mentioned, we are not baby cows.
0: And we will do an episode on baby humans and whether or not they need to consume milk for baby cows. But personally I breastfed my baby and then transitioned her straight to soy formula and she's never had dairy milk in her life and she's growing so fast. I can't keep up with her clothing sizes and she's doing great height wise and all the things. So, um, Baby humans also don't need baby cow's milk. And we'll talk about that
1: further in a episode on pediatrics. Right. We'll do all ages and stages next or season three. So you'll hear about peds not needing it. Your pediatric patients don't need milk. You don't need this when you're pregnant to protect your unborn fetus either. There's no benefit there Um, and you don't need it when you're breastfeeding yourself you don't need to drink another animal's dairy product to produce milk yourself so all of those things are perfectly safe if you exclude dairy Um, and we're not actually supposed to give cow's milk to infants so please remember that but we'll have a pediatrician expert come talk to us next year about some of the reasons that we don't need dairy for our kids
0: And just to be clear, I did not have osteoporosis when I was a vegan. I have osteoporosis now that I have menopause. And so there's not much I could do about that, I don't think, with my diet. And so I don't blame my years of veganism on my osteoporosis. That was just sort of medical crappy bad luck. (laughs) But hopefully I'm doing a diligent enough job now with plants to stave off further
1: bone loss. And that's my goal. Excellent. Good luck. And being thin is unfortunately a risk factor for osteoporosis. It is not a risk factor for the rest of the medical conditions. So, I have tons of patients that are very thin and have osteoporosis, vegans, carnivores, dairy consumers, or not. It does happen. It's something that we need more data on to find out what we can recommend to prevent because obviously drinking a lot of milk isn't the right answer. So, what are the right answers? How can we help people that are thin and doing the right thing otherwise um how do we help them prevent this osteoporosis and we need to look harder because telling them to drink milk is not the right answer.
0: Eden what is your favorite non-dairy milk substitute for just straight up either drinking or like putting in cereal
1: or smoothies? It's a great question. And right now it's oat. It was the cashew almond right after I went vegan because I thought that was the closest replica and it heats well for your coffee. So soy milk doesn't do well if you heat it. Um, But cashew milk does. But then about six months ago, I looked at the environmental sort of impact of cashew almond blend and realized oat was a lot better. And it took me about a month to fully switch over. But now I just drink oat for almost everything. It bakes really well. It goes well with a glass of oat milk. It goes great in coffee. Um, So I use that for almost everything. We still have a lot of soy in the house because that's what my kids prefer. What about you guys? What do you have at your house? We
0: have a case of soy milk and a case of oat milk from Costco. And those are our primaries. We do occasionally buy the silk chocolate almond milk because it's just so darn good to just drink it straight up it's just so good um but we try to minimize it like for smoothies and baking and all that other stuff um because of again the environmental footprint of of the almonds and because i can't do cashews um you know we're kind that's our only really nut option but yeah i i think oat milk is great i drink my coffee black so not not an issue um and I think soy milk is my favorite for baking. I found that, that I tend to have the best luck with that when I'm when I'm using it for baking. I'm gonna throw my recipe for almond ricotta in the show notes because once you master this and it other than the peeling of the almonds, it takes about 10 minutes. Um, it's an amazing vegan cheese option that you can stuff shells, you can make lasagna, you can make a baked ziti, whatever you like. So um, hopefully you will try it out and enjoy. This is Tracy and Eden signing off. Less meat means less disease. Go have a happy plant-based day.